Hello, everybody. Josh Brown here, back for another great episode on Franchise Euphoria. Well, today's episode is brought to you by IndieFranchiseLaw.com, a leading resource in the franchise space to help you if you're considering buying a franchise, turning your business into a franchise, or growing your business through a licensing or franchise structure. So go on, check it out, IndieFranchiseLaw.com. I think you'll find a lot of valuable and free information as you continue to kind of weigh franchising and licensing and the growth of your business. Without further ado, I hope you enjoy today's episode. So today on Franchise Euphoria, I'm thrilled to have on James Jacobson and Peter Roberts. Business partners James Jacobson and Peter Roberts founded Manage Mode more than 20 years ago in Edmonds, Washington. The high school friends started as landscapers working on residential and commercial projects. After the 2008 recession, residential work plummeted, and James and Peter evolved Manage Mode into a commercial landscape management business that subcontracts work to owner-operator crews. The model's attractive as commercial work is less impacted by economy shifts. After they began focusing on commercial landscaping, Peter and James realized the subcontracting model was able to swiftly take the headache out of landscaping for building managers. The brand has several marquee clients, including Public Storage, Safeway, and Jack in the Box. There are currently three corporate managed mode locations in Seattle, Washington, Denver, Colorado, and Portland, Oregon. Manage Mode is now franchising nationally. The franchise opportunity requires low overhead while offering quick ramp-up time, recurring business revenue, and the ability to achieve a favorable work-life balance. If you want to learn more, go to ManageModeFranchising.com. I really enjoyed this interview with James and Peter, and one thing that struck me uh, amongst many things was the fact that they really, after their 2008 recession, had to really dig deep and figure out what was it about their business that stuck out, what was going to differentiate them from the rest. And that's when they made the decision to only focus on commercial landscaping and to subcontract it out. So hope you enjoy this interview and learn a little bit about what it's like to take a business, have some success, and then have to shift mid-course. Without further ado, here's my interview with James and Peter. Hi, James. Peter, how you doing? Hey, good. Good. Well, welcome to Franchise Euphoria podcast. Uh, you guys are obviously, you guys are the co-founders of Manage Mode Franchise. Is that correct? Yep. Yep. Correct. That's Thanks. us. You got us. Thanks for having us. Yeah, we appreciate it. Absolutely. Well, well, obviously, I, I know a little bit about your concept, but for those uh, who are tuning in, uh, t- tell me about the concept and how you got going with it. Yeah, uh, we're, we're kind of a different... Um, landscape company sorry there's a train going by right now unfortunately <laughs> sorry <laughs> but yeah in terms of our model we're kind of we're freaks in a way you know we, we kind of turned the traditional landscape model upside down um, and we instead of building a traditional company with employees and trucks and trackos and tools and all that we we uh, sub out all the labor and we manage it so we don't sub and forget it but we we sub it and manage it um we do that um teaming up with smaller uh, owner-operator companies. And then we also, the flip other side of that is uh, we get the sales and manage the client relationship. So we're doing a lot of the, a lot of the management of it and uh, that's how we approach it. We basically offer full service commercial landscaping maintenance, which we've fine-tuned over the years of doing everything that you can do in landscaping to 
the the most lucrative part of the landscape industry is the commercial maintenance. And so that's what we've kind of fine-tuned it down to and perfected it with this model that we've created. So you don't mess around with uh, homes no, or residents? No, no. We, you know, there's a kind of a byproduct of, you know, having um, homes. Um, you know, some of our larger clients, they might have a home they ask us to help them out with. But um, we try to stay away from that because it's definitely a different ballgame when you're dealing with, with homeowners compared to um, commercial properties. And, and commercial properties is, is kind of, you know, uh, if the market and the economy kind of goes down, um, residential homes, you know, landscaping is one of the first, you know, services they're going to cut off and, uh, commercial, uh, properties, they need that landscaping to continue. So what's your guys' background? How do you know each other? How'd you get into this, uh, business? We, uh, both were born and raised in Edmonds, Washington, and, uh, we met in high school. We both, um, you know, have been in landscaping most of our life. And so we both had different companies to start with. And then we, we teamed up together and we shared a common vision. And um, we just, it seemed to make sense, and we've been never looked back. Well, so you know, one one thing that you know, in most situations with people who are franchising, it's usually not because they thought about it from the outset. Right. It's, you know, it's very rare that you find people who thought, okay, I'm going to create this business and franchise it. What typically happens is you create it, you kind of have a different take on a model, you you streamline it, you systematize it, and then you get people who come in and say, hey, are, are you franchising? I, I'm wondering with you guys, is that how it happened or, or did you guys have this plan from the get-go? We didn't really have this plan. Um, it was it was something we, um, I mean, we were always talking about how to scale up and scale up quickly our business. Um, and that's kind of why we changed into that business model that can help us scale up quickly without having to buy, you know, hundreds of trucks and, and hire this, that labor pool. That's a very difficult labor pool to, to, um, gain. So we changed the business model. We created that. Then franchising was something that, you know, came along with that. We, and it was 10 years ago or so we, we kind of um, dabbled in franchising. We went to one of the franchise conventions that was in Miami at the time, I believe. And, um, and we were told there like, Hey guys, you, you need a little bit more money before you start franchising. <laughs> so I wanted to, you know, pay off some debt that you, you have and, and build some, build some more net worth there. And, and so we spent the last 10 years kind of doing that and perfecting our model. And, and then we, uh, but then we, a year and a half ago, we started researching and getting into franchising again. Uh, but nobody really approached us. That was kind of more based off us wanting to scale up our company through franchising. So you did at one point in time do residential and do everything that a typical landscape company would do, right? Oh yeah, yeah. We've we we definitely have learned a lot and made a lot of mistakes that we now know um, how to teach other people not to do. <laughs> well, tell me about that. I mean, tell me about that because I think that that that's an insightful for people who are going through this right now, I know, um, you know, I'm interested too. I mean, I've got clients who are, um, trying to do the same thing and, and folks out there listening, tell me about what you guys went through as you were trying to grow your business, you know, the traditional way with doing residential. I'm sure you were trying to get commercial. You were trying to get residential. You're basically like, Hey, anything that comes in the door will do. That's what we do. And of course, with that, you got to buy equipment. Like you said, you got to hire a bunch of people. You you're in an industry where there's a reliability issue. I got to mm-hmm. think from day to day. There's also a weather issue, um, yeah. <laughs> which is a whole other, which is a whole other equation. But you have that on the commercial or the residential side. But t- tell me, talk a little bit about the early days and and what that was like for you. And then, really, what was the what was the last straw where you guys said, you know, screw this, we 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 got to change what we're doing. Yeah, I mean, that's there's, I mean, 
there's a lot of stuff there that uh, we may have to sit down and have some beers and talk about. But <laughs> I mean, well, give me your top ones. Give me your top one that comes. Well, to mind. One of the things to is an issue of doing everything is um, you can't be the best at everything. You could be good at it. Uh, but we, you know, we see dollar, we saw dollar signs. We were a lot younger. We see dollar signs and, Hey, can you do this? Oh yeah. We, we basically said yes to everything. Um, the problem is, is that um, you start doing that and then you, you make mistakes. All of a sudden we're building, um, we're building a house, you know, we're landscapers and we decide to build an addition to a house or something. And, um, did you really do that? We, we, we did. We did like a, you know, a shed next to a house or something like that. And, and not that it went bad, but all of a sudden you're stretching yourself so thin. You're buying equipment that you don't really need. You're hiring, um, you know, all these different types of laborers, and your overhead gets really high. And uh, I think one main issue that came across with that is um, learning learning cash flow. Um, we started spending so much cash and not really understanding what cash flow really is or means. And I think that was a huge learning lesson for us. And, and that's, uh, that was kind of a, um, a learning lesson that caused us to start adjusting our business models, creating, you know, lowering our overhead and, and people and buying tools and equipment. We decided, how can we do this without having any of that? And within six months, we basically um, let go of our, our entire labor force and had everything subcontracted. We sold all of our equipment, sold all of our trucks, and it was the best thing we've ever done. I mean, life. Oh, but how did you, but, but like, okay, so you had an issue with cash flow. So basically it sounds like you, you know, like a lot of small business owners do, you know, you have cash coming in, you think everything's going great, but you don't quite anticipate the money going out mm-hmm. or right. what needs to go out yeah. or how often it needs to go out or, you know, there's a whole variety of things there. Is that right? Yeah, correct. It's a, it's a game really. And if you don't understand it, you're going to lose. And so once you're struggling with that, obviously, you know, anybody who runs a business, I mean, knows that cash is king as they say. Right. right. And so, um, you know, you got to have revenue and certainly cutting things is great. It's very rare that you can just cut your way to profitability. I mean, you can get expenses down and it's always good to get rid of waste, but you also have to increase the cash right. that you have coming in. So when you're thinking about these things, I'd love to hear from, you know, both of you what, what your takes are. I mean, how did you make that change? Because I think thinking about it and then actually doing mm-hmm. it like you guys did, there's a very big step that needs to be taken. And I think a lot of people think about a lot of things, but they don't take that step. You guys obviously did. So talk, talk me through that. Well, one of the one of the realizations that took us probably a, a number of years to get into our heads and to understand was that me and Pete are not natural salespeople. So we're good at the management end. We're good at a lot of stuff, but we're not good at going out and driving new business. And so I think a real turning point for us is when that kind of clicked in our heads and we're like, you know what? We need this cash to increase. We can't cut everything down to nothing without increasing the cash flow, right? So it was like, we're not going to go out and be able to do that. Um, I mean, we could push ourselves to do it, but that's not our strength. And so when we hired our first salesman, um, I think that was a real turning point um, looking back of someone out there every day going out to drive new business. And then we start getting deals. We start growing the business. And um, it just it was a dramatic change for us. Yeah, but actually getting those sales uh, and we really ramped up. But we had already, had already lined ourselves up by having that lower overhead before. And we really had that set up so that when we were ready to 
to ramp mm-hmm. up with, you know, hiring sale, a sales team. Um, we were set up, we were ready to go and we were hitting the profit margins we needed to hit and, um, and things started rolling along and that's, you know, we were, we were growing pretty rapidly, doubling the size of our business. Um, and that's, uh, that's where we started to go. Okay. We're ready to ramp up. Let's start, let's share this across. Let's grow nationally. Let's share this. Let's, let's start franchising. And that's kind of where we, we decided well, what what per, what percentage, or roughly what percentage, before you made the switch to just doing commercial, was commercial versus residential? Very little. It was it was maybe ten percent of our business. Wow. Yeah. So you just went all in. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's how James and I I work. We we make a decision and we go for it. And um, I mean, you can plan your whole life, but unless you execute and just make it happen, it's just uh, could be a pipe dream, you know. And uh, James and I. Um, and it's nice to have a business partner with you is that when we make these decisions, we just go for it and uh, go all in and, and make it happen. Yeah. So how did it go? So tell me, so you make this decision, you decide, okay, we're going to cut off 90% of our revenue generating sources, right? You know, at this point, we're going to focus on the 10% because we believe that's where it's at. What what happened next? Well, I mean, the economy kind of, you know, back in 2008 and nine kind of had a little bit of a little bit to do with that as well. So, you know, that hit us pretty hard and, and the, the residential basically dropped out from under us. So it was it was a choice because of of the economy at that time. And, and we just rolled with that. Um, and the only people that were paying us were our commercial clients. So we said, OK, let's let's do this and let's just expand on this. So it went actually really well because they were the ones that continued to pay us. And then when you when you see that going well. At what point in time? Because I'm trying to remember. Did you did you go to you switch to commercial and you switch to all subcontractors at the same time, or did you stair step it? It was a uh, it was within the few years, correct? Like 2006 is when we started subcontracting. 2008 and nine when you know we started switching to all commercial. All right. So walk me through what walk me through the subcontractor relationship, and then what I want to do from there is talk about the actual fran- the franchise opportunity yeah. mm-hmm. and how all that ties together. But tell me, explain, because I think for some listening, they might not know. Tell me the difference in your mind, and then in also actuality of obviously having employees that work directly for you versus subcontracting them out. Yeah. So yeah, landscaping is basically dealing with low end labor, right? And so that's like you said earlier, it's it's unreliable. It's just fraught with challenges, and the whole business, the whole industry, is just basically broken. So, whenever we had in-house guys, it was it was just an everyday challenge. Of, no matter who it was, it was just kind of a nightmare managing them. And so, when we switched to subcontractors, at the very least, we got a leg up because they're they've already committed to starting their own company. They're managing a, a guy or two themselves. It's, it was kind of a, a mind shift already um, dealing with a, a local. Uh, owner operator versus someone who's just on your team who may or may not show up. So that alone kind of um, propelled us. We're like, okay, I know we like where we like where this is starting. Let's keep going. So we at first we we weren't sure how much management these local guys would need. You know, because you know they're motivated, they want to grow their business. But um, over the you know the years, we realized that um, they're really good at the landscaping, uh, but there's there's a lot of failing on the actual management of it and the scheduling, the communication, the getting new business for them. So that's where we kept up in our game and focusing on managing that, that aspect of it as we also grew the client base. And it's, it's interesting that in, and there's over 500,000 landscape companies in the U S and 75% of them are basically owner operator landscapers, which means 
if you use that's what happens is in a standard landscape company that's trying to grow, they hire they hire someone, he kind of works up through the ranks and becomes a foreman. And all of a sudden he realizes that he's he's kind of worked his way up through the ranks that all he needs to do to start a business is to go buy a mower from Home Depot and get a business license. All of a sudden he's got his own business. And that's that's what happens. But they not all of them know how to run a business, um, but they know how to do the landscaping. So for us, it was a, a really like a underutilized workforce that we can work with because we know what we can do well. We could sell and we can manage and we can manage the client relationships. So we kind of pulled that all together. So uh, the subcontractors, they do the landscaping, they do the actual work, but we do, we're there managing our client relationships. We're there doing all the invoicing, all the sales. Um, we're doing, we actually do our monthly uh, quality control checks every single site. We also do subcontractor training on site as well. So we kind of manage that whole process and let them do what they do best, which is the work. Well, and so, but they're doing it. So, so there's a, there's a software and proprietary system that you guys have created on the management side, right? In terms of managing all that. And we have a third party software we use, but yeah, it's, it's industry specific. And then the, the subcontractors, these are obviously people who, are they working for another business and you're kind of filling in the gaps? Yeah, they have, they have their own business. So we work together to, you know, imagine they have two to two to four days a week they were able to get their own business, but there's maybe an extra day or two or three. And then they, we team up with them and said, like, Hey, how about a bunch of sites with us on one of the days? And it's a, it's a win-win. So what about this might sound like a strange question, but it's something that popped in my head. What about, you know, the consistency from a, from a brand perspective, like when they're working for you, are they driving manage mode trucks? Are they wearing manage mode uniforms? Well, when we, on, when we onboard a new subcontractor, which we just, we call them our crews, um, you know, we're looking for things like uh, we would prefer that they have white trucks with no uh, no branding on it. Um, that's not to say we wouldn't work with someone who has their own name on it, but our clients tend to not see the the lens, the, the crews on site. Right. We want to make sure that we create a relationship with our client that it doesn't matter who's actually doing the mowing. They care about us and they know that they can call us if they have an issue or a concern or something that they need. They can call us and we're going to get on it right away. And so we have these relationships built and that's kind of where our brand really comes in. It's, um, you know, and of course our guys, our account managers are wearing manage mode gear and we have um, vests, you know, safety vests for the crews that say manage mode on it. Um, but in theory, their trucks that they drive around, they're willing, they're, they're able to have whatever they want on it um, because our, our true branding, I believe really comes to, to in, in our relationships and our account managers. Well, so the the real job for the franchisees, it sounds like, and correct me if I'm wrong here, is it's really twofold, maybe maybe threefold, but but twofold in the sense of franchisees have to go out and they've got to find accounts, right? They got to find commercial accounts within their territory. But then on top of that, they have to be uh, they have to have subcontractors who right. can come in and actually do that work. I mean, is that, is that yep. primarily what the franchisee is doing? Yep. That's exactly it. And, and we, we will train on that. Um, it's a, it, we're doing three weeks of training and we're actually going to do two weeks of that training is in the field. So we're going to show you how to, how to get new accounts. We're going to show you how to find the crews, um, and onboard them and, and train them. Um, so all that's trainable and we don't even require any type of landscape experience because, 
Uh, the landscaping is e- easy to train, um, but the real value comes in the management piece. So is that the type? I mean, you just you just hit on my next question. Which is going to be, uh, in terms of a preferred type of franchisee, you know, if you're your ideal franchisee, is it going to be somebody who has management experience, or what are the attributes you're looking for in your franchisees? Well, we like an ideal quality for us is someone with like a strong sales and management experience. Um, you know, with with some sales experience that can help really drive the um, the growth of the their book of business. Of course, we can train both sides and we recommend if if you have a strong sales uh, background that you know you would have you know you would hire an account manager with more of an operational or management background and vice versa. If you have a stronger management background as a franchisee, then you would hire an account manager uh, that w- with a, with more of a sales background. And do you, I mean, do you guys find that you're starting to work with, um, because you're focused on the commercial side, that really you're probably starting to work with some regional or national players where maybe you guys as the franchisor can can help provide a customer base as well? Yeah, definitely. And we're, we're calling those some system accounts, but we have we have uh, a lot of national accounts like uh, public storage, Chase Banks, uh, Safeways and Albertson stores. The more reach we have across the country, that you know, we believe that a lot of these um, customers will, will will be excited to have us grow out in other areas. We do have um, a, a corporate branch in Denver, Colorado, a corporate branch in Portland, which we've already started the you know to extend out our customer base that we have our national customer base in those areas as well. Well, that's fantastic. I mean, if you if anybody wants to learn more about uh, Manage Mode, you can go to managemode.com. And uh, it's a cool website. It gives you a lot of good, valuable information. Are, are you guys looking to go across the country? Or are you focused on the Pacific Northwest at this point? Or where, where are you looking? Yeah, we're, we're looking for the right people. So we're open for um, across the country. Um, we just we want to work with people who we want to work with and who want to work with us. So if that's in the Pacific Northwest, great. If it's further away, great too. Well, thank you guys so much, James and Peter, for coming on. Um, it, it's definitely a, a unique uh, concept, which I love. I mean, yeah. you know, I love, I love the the take on the fact that you guys took an industry that is so traditionally, you know, residential and commercial, and sort of found, you know, the, an opportunity to say, hey, let's focus on this sector, which we believe is going to drive. Uh, the most consistency, profitability, and so forth. And so, I think that's a, I think that's a really smart decision. I commend you for thank you for following through on that. And thanks for thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks really for having us. It. And uh, maybe we can have a follow up in a, in a couple of years or so, and you can see the progress. I w- I'm always open for that. So okay. I would love to love to do that. Uh, just reach out on your end, and we'll get it set up. All right, all right. Nice chatting. With thanks you. so much. Thanks a lot. Thank you so much for tuning in for another episode of Franchise Euphoria. If you enjoyed this episode or have enjoyed the podcast in general, I would really appreciate it if you could go to iTunes and leave me a rating and review. It really helps to get this podcast out to more and more people. So the easy way to do it is go to iTunes and in the search box, put in Franchise Euphoria. 
you will then see my cover art and you click on my smiling face that says Franchise Euphoria and then click on the link that says Ratings and Reviews. It's that simple, but boy, oh boy, does it mean the world to me when people leave ratings and reviews. And like I said, it really helps get the show out there. Once again, would love it if you would go to iTunes and leave a rating and review if you enjoyed this episode or other episodes of the show. And until the next time, happy franchising.